You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please check out our Facebook page, Ayahuasca Talks Radio Show, or visit me at RebeccaHayden.com. My guest on this show is Deanna Rogers from the Temple of the Way of Light Ayahuasca Retreat. I recorded this intro due to technical issues, and now we'll begin the show with Deanna describing her first ayahuasca experience. Hi, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so sorry we got off to such a beginning, but you're uh, here it now. It reminds me of jungle communication, so somehow it seems appropriate. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> So we're getting right into the jungle now. Let's get into jungle yeah. talk. <laughs> so Deanna uh, works uh, for Temple of the Wave Light, which is where I first experienced the medicine. And I introduced this at the beginning of the show. So uh, please tell us about um, your first experience with, with ayahuasca. My very first experience? Sure. I mean, the first one that's, that's, that's something that you feel like it's worthy of sharing and... It's something that kind of characterizes the unique and strange and wonderful world of ayahuasca. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess what what happened for me um, about six years ago now out there that I wanted to deepen my practice uh, and kind of choose a spiritual path that was, you know, more authentic to me than kind of the options I knew that were available to me. And... Uh, Lo and behold, ayahuasca comes across my path uh, about four months later, and um, and the first time I drank it was in Canada, actually, um, with a group of people here, and it just kind of opened up a lot of for me what was like repressed feelings from my from my childhood. And so I had a lot of ceremonies that brought me back to the house that I grew up in and, you know, just all this kind of, um, I would say, like revisiting and refeeling those emotions that I wasn't able to, you know, go into. I think the most explicit vision, it was just a weekend of ceremonies. And I think the most explicit vision for me was, yeah, I literally walked through my home that I grew up in, and every room was like a different memory of a different time, of a different feeling. Um, And then it was very clear to me when I first drank, it was like, okay, you can't come back for a year. Um, And that year was probably one of the more difficult years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) When you said you can't come back for a year, what do you mean by that? Can't go back home or... No, like, I can't come back to the medicine. Oh! Like, go and integrate this, essentially. I mean, I didn't have that language at that time. Sure. But it was like, okay, um, there's stuff here that you need to work with, and it's going to take you a year to work with it. <laughs> wow. Um, and I, the main thing that kind of, I mean, the, the medicine for me has been a lot about working through different emotional blockages that I had and kind of learned how to develop um, from early on in my life. Um, and so that first year in particular, I, I would call it the year of deep sadness, <laughs> which doesn't, doesn't sound like a great time, but um, was completely necessary, and I'm extremely grateful for it now. And um, I also didn't really know I didn't really know what I was getting into, to be honest. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anyone can. Yeah. Until, 
generally when people read books and watch movies and things like this now, I'm like, okay, well, try and forget that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And try and forget it. Um, <laughs> but I just went on the trust of um, a, a dear friend at the time, and it seemed right, and he described the process to me, and I signed up. Um, and that year, yeah, things really fell apart, but it was also about me reconnecting to a lot of difficult emotions that I didn't really know how to be with that were there and present. And, you know, everything in my life before that was, it was pretty good, to be honest. Like, I was genuinely pretty happy, but that year kind of showed me all these things that I hadn't been looking at. And at the time, I didn't really have a support network because my, my friends at that time didn't really have the language or the experience um, to be able to relate to me about what was happening. Um, I also, part of what I'm now, like in later years and working more with this medicine, I didn't really know how to ask for help. I didn't know who to ask for help. So I think if I had more guidance in that time, it would have been a more graceful year or things may have been learned. Right. <laughs> I can relate way. to this. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Um, but just, you know, what this medicine did for me, I think, which was so big, was just imagine, like, shaking a champagne bottle and then popping off the top. <laughs> right. Um, and and then I did go back a year later, and I had this, you know, many people describe the medicine, this rebirth experience. And so, kind of the first uh, ceremony was, like, really dark and heavy and it felt really like in the earth and in kind of all this decay um, and then on the other side of that it was this just feeling of the like a phoenix was kind of the vision that I had of rising out of that out of the ashes yeah yeah something died you know they call it the death line and some part of me was ready to die and it did mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So um, then, after that, this year was over, you went back to the medicine. Mm-hmm. And was that local, or was that when you went to the temple? No, I drank with the same person again locally, and then a few months later, I had a calling. I said, "Okay, I had a month off of work, and I said, if I'm going to drink this plant, I need to go to where it's from." Mm-hmm. there's a whole culture, there's a whole place, there's a whole land that this is from, and so I wanted to see that. And so I actually went to a different center. I wish I went to the temple. <laughs> um, <laughs> once again, uh, learned some lessons in a place in a in a difficult way. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a really... I had a really incredible experience. It was deeply healing, but it was also confusing around just uh, shaman kissing me during ceremony and things Aww. like this, um, which is a it's a pretty common experience for women um, to go to different centers. And so I am grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for the healing that this man did give me. And um, and uh, there's definitely some lines that were, were crossed. Crossed, yeah. I've been hearing a lot about this and had some... Yeah. Yeah, I've, you know, they're human beings too, <laughs> and we learn a lot about illness through through ayahuasca, and 
you've got to want to to heal and you know some people are in various stages of that and this can be the outcome unfortunately but um you did find your way out of that into the temple how did that happen how did that come about did you walk away realizing that you know this there's something wrong with that you know that that experience that you had in terms of lines being crossed uh, to be honest, in the moment, it was quite confusing. Yeah, it um, can be. <laughs> I guess if I'm, you know, owning my piece of it, like, I think there was some, you know, part of me also enjoyed that a powerful man was attracted to me and was giving me this attention. And, um, and so I didn't leave this center. I stayed there and finished my treatment there. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very confusing in the moment, and ultimately, there's a lot of lessons for me in terms of my relationship with that masculine energy, with power, with boundaries, um, you know, I'm not excusing his behavior, and when people are in a position of power, I think that comes with a responsibility. Sure. Um, but ultimately, you know, I learned what I needed to learn, um. So I, I finished my treatment at this center, and then basically I went back to my... I was working at a university in Vancouver at the time. Uh, so I traveled around Peru in the Sacred Valley and then went back to work uh, at the end of the month. And um, at that moment in time, I went back. I was finishing a three-year contract at the university, and at the end of it was coming up to towards the end of my contract so a year later and i all of a sudden having like started having these reoccurring dreams of a healing center and it was a healing center in peru and you know this other shaman in peru told me you know he said you have work to do in peru i don't know when it is i don't know where it is but he said you have work to do in peru and all of a sudden yeah fast forward one year later having these like reoccurring dreams that are very vivid, very precise and like very detailed and even like program ideas. And they were speaking <laughs> with me in my daydreams. Like it was like no joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can relate to a up. great a great deal of this. This is amazing. I'm, I love hearing this. <laughs> I think this is one of the reasons that inspired me to do this show. There's got to be other people out there having some experiences that I can relate to in this way. Anyway, beautiful. Do continue. No, I mean, for the Western mind, it's a really hard thing to conceive of. Like, oh, you got told things in your dreams? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would say it's one of the most sane things that I've ever followed. <laughs> right. Um, and so, and I heard about the Temple of the Way of Light a year before, after I got back from Peru. There was a man visiting. I used to live in this kind of home that was a hub of events and uh, people and so this man told me about this center and that he's really inspired by what they were doing but I never looked at their website and I just kind of dropped it and so when I started having these visions I was like oh what was that place called again mm -hmm. and then I looked up the temple's um, website and then there were the programs that I was dreaming about and there <laughs> that was the place and I you know just the full goosebump body experience um, and so I decided not to renew my contract at the university and uh, 
kind of packed up my life and originally just applied. They had a, a three-month work exchange program at the time. And so I applied to do the work exchange program, and after two weeks or three weeks, they were like, do you want to work here uh, after I arrived? So, wow. Um, yeah, it felt very meant to be, and, you know, as soon as I got there, it was like a, a coming home. Oh, I and felt the same way. <laughs> yeah. There's something really magical about that, about that land and the people there that are running it and involved and uh I just felt so comfortable immediately and just felt right. So how did you, how had you felt about the jungle before then? Was that something that attracted you? Like to live in the jungle? Oh, just as a concept, I've always been very attracted to the idea of the jungle and, and I was just wondering if that's yet another thing that we might have in common. Um, I mean... There's parts of the jungle that I love. I think, you know, when I was, even when I was a little kid, I used to do things to, like, I found this old journal and I was, like, fundraising something for the jungle, like, <laughs> making money, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or I decided at a pretty young age to boycott McDonald's because I heard of what they were doing in the rainforest and, like, there's different things like this that I've made, you know, looking back, you can create a story around it. Um, but, I mean... At the same time, living in the jungle is really difficult. Oh, it can be a challenge the romantic, for sure. The romantic notion uh, pretty quickly disappeared with the realities of what it means to be there, and I and I fully love it with all my heart. You know, mm-hmm. um, I really miss being there and hearing like the orchestra of insects and <laughs> plants and yes it's, it's a symphony like, so intense. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like i want to eat everything that's inside you and i want to eat you and i'm going to push it out to the surface and <laughs> <laughs> uh and i love that intensity i love it and um I'm I'm happy to have a break from it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I can I can appreciate that. It's just um, there are some people that <clears throat> you know the jungle actually scares them, having never been there. You know, there's not mm. this intrigue or like for me that was the desert, and mm. um, it it didn't it, it I didn't have this massive phobia. It's just that that is the extreme opposite to the jungle, which appealed to me immensely. And so, um, but I learned um, through my experiences with peyote to to appreciate it and to not fear it and and to see the beauty and the color and all that stuff that didn't represent death that that I I kind of related it to. So, I think this some people it's it's appealing and some people it's just not. Um, and then of course you get to the level where you were where you were living there and you see the reality you you experience it and and yeah that can be tough. Um, so. Uh, Moving forward in with the temple, you started to work in what capacity were you doing ceremonies? Yeah, so I mean part of my my training was to do a I had to do a dieta, so that's the traditional form of study. Uh, I had to do more ceremonies, I had to shadow, and then um, right when I came, they were thinking about redesigning what they now call the deep immersion retreats. And so that's a program that combines yoga, self-inquiry, meditation with the medicine. And I came from a background of doing program design, and so I got very excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
uh, that was kind of the the first thing that I started to work on with it was a collaboration between different people who were there and who had different backgrounds and different uh, knowledge um, but really that was kind of the first thing that I got to sink my teeth into which was an incredible first thing to be a part of right. and so I started facilitating those retreats and so the facilitator at the temple means you're there kind of I, I see it as a bridge person so you're bridging people in their experience you're bridging them from the western world to the jungle between the healers you know you're supporting people in ceremonies you're the bridge between them and the healers and ceremonies um, in the daytime if they need support doing one-to-one work uh, this was kind of my main goal to start, and then pretty quickly I also started to co-manage this Deep Immersion Retreat program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Deep Immersion um, had to do with uh, not only ceremonies, but work in between to, um, mm-hmm. to connect on a deeper level and, and sort of start, maybe kickstart the, um, the integration process. Yeah, it's kind of the intention of that program was to kind of embody and bring in and allow people to kind of get information through different mediums and processes um, and really start to ground the integration as they're moving through the experience. And so not that it's just like something you start when you go home, that that language has already started during the program. And uh, also to appreciate appreciate that people have different learning styles and they have different ways of, of being and learning. And so, you know, some people have an incredible benefit of, you know, getting insights through art. Some right. people through movement. Some people through, you know, they have a big aha moment in a yoga class or a meditation class. We also would do different processes of, of like we call them self-inquiry classes where it's basically about guiding people in you know into different trigger points into different um you know sometimes they were more kind of ritual based sometimes they were dyads which is a process of like a partner meditation um or writing or sharing you know different processes like this to really kind of stir up and get things moving and get people also sharing um, right. Um, so, huge part of the just uh, the huge part of the the process is that when people share their experiences, they see, oh, I'm not the only one who's been like suffering with this. You know, oftentimes the stories and the details are different, but at the core, uh, a lot of the energy is quite similar. Sure. Yeah, I've discovered yeah. this too, and and this is something that's really important for a lot of us too. To connect with, because um, this is, you know, what we all have in common, and I find that there's a lot of divides that we create, and then this is a great way to come together. Um, Can you describe some of the things that come out of processes like that? I mean, some examples without, you know, giving too much detail, but maybe some stories around that, that that people might get a better idea of what what actually happens there? Sure. Um I mean, some of them are just exploring, you know, different concepts. Um, And, I mean, one example of a workshop that's based on a man's work called Robert Gass, um, you know, is a workshop around triggers. And so a lot of different teachers and a lot of people talk about, you know, using triggers as an access point to actually look at something that's still 
there's a charge for yourself or still something that's, you know, left to be integrated or looked at or acknowledged. And um, so really just kind of helping people to form and take responsibility for what's happening, you know, so all of a sudden you have this huge reaction uh, to someone like two days before the workshop who, you know, made a comment and during the retreat and, you know, all of a sudden you're really angry or, you know, there's a lot of things coming up. It's really geared towards helping people see kind of what's underneath that. And so in this workshop in particular, it's called Negative Core Beliefs. So guiding people in to see this belief that is probably and generally always, you know, related to something from their childhood, a belief that they started to form and they've been kind of believing in their whole life. And so it's just to try and bring awareness and consciousness. This is something like an unconscious driver driving the ship mm-hmm. um, of their kind of everyday experience. And so that's that's one thing. And for some people, that's huge to see those for the first time or, you know, to acknowledge that out loud. Right. And so when they get back, they're equipped with this opportunity to see when they have these reactions that um, that it is an opportunity for for healing. So you can look deeper and say, okay, <laughs> what's this about, you know? And then yeah. there's tools that, they, that, they, that you give them to pursue that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this and is pretty much my life. <laughs> 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 and to evoke, like, you know, there's a, I think, an attitude you can go through life with that, you know, this, whatever is coming up in this present moment, why is it, why is it important and what is it there, you know, what's there for me to learn? Um, and, you know, you could, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be afraid, it's okay to be sad, you know, all these things are okay, but there's, you know, life is reflecting things back to us all the time, and so it's just to, how to bring, like, that curious and openness to inquire into that. Without and judgment. So yeah. That's the tough exactly. part sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes that's not possible, you know, and it just takes time. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's been a real... Um, the challenge for me at times because of, you know, all of the things that you're describing is part of the training that I've been going through um, with this guidance, and and it's constant, so I don't really walk away from it. I suspect I could. I suspect if I really wanted this guidance to go away, that I could <laughs> that I could just say that's it, it's over. But of course, I can't do that because I, I I don't really want it to, and and so every day there is this experience of of being aware of my own, you know, making these things happen, all the triggers, all of these things. So, and it can be a challenge. A little goes a long way, though, <laughs> for any of you who, who are willing to, you know, to start to explore that. Um, one of the things that I found a great tool was uh, the presence process, which was recommended on the, the temple's website. And um, Ayahuasca actually told me to begin there and that's that began the journey of discovering all of these things um so is this something you worked for the temple um in this deep immersion program and then did you get uh have you you must have had feedback from people when they return um about their integration process and using these tools i mean what do people have to say about all of that 
Yeah, I mean, people generally, like, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people have gone through this process, have spoken really highly of it. And I think the the biggest thing, too, I mean, there's the going home piece, but even when they're there, in general, I find people are a lot more grounded about their experience. You know, it's like they give them, it gives them opportunity to ground it during the process. And so there's feedback during the process about that and people saying, I can't believe how these classes are going together and this thing that came up in ceremony now makes sense because of this class. And mm, Yeah, um, the synchronicities. It just, yeah, it just was, it's a really divine um, combination to get people into different parts of themselves in different ways. And then uh, going home, I mean, I think integration, no matter how great a program is or is not, <laughs> can be challenging for people. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I have received many emails, um, even just, I used to teach a singing class sometimes, and even people saying how helpful they find song uh, as a tool to just kind of ground them, recenter them, get energy moving. Um, and... You know, so having these different tools, I've had a lot of really great feedback about that. Um, and also, integration can be really tough for people, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because ayahuasca is asking us to really approach things in a very different way yeah. than we generally do. Um, so, um, how about your your own process? Did you move into... Are you still doing deep immersion or you're doing more of the integration work? So I uh, moved out of the jungle mostly because, well, a couple reasons. I needed just a break from the jungle. I needed my own integration period and I couldn't really ask my partner to stay there any longer with me. Hmm. <laughs> he needed a break. Um, so, yeah, just in... April is when I left the jungle and have been back in Canada since. And so I've been mostly focusing now on supporting people with integration and also preparing people before they go on journeys. And so just helping them really clarify their intention. You know, sometimes people just have practical questions about the jungle, what do I do, what do I bring, you know, things like this. And we have documents with all of that, but just it's really nice to talk with someone and inevitably people generally have questions. Um, so really that's been my main work for the last few months since I've been home. Does, um, do you find that, um, first of all, when you were doing that work, did you only facilitate, did you ever um, continue to work with the medicine in terms of having an, your own ceremony? Yeah, um, I would say I definitely was drinking medicine. I personally was someone who'd like to take breaks, even though I was immersed in it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bigger kind of learning pieces and kind of what allowed me to kind of go deeper for my own personal stuff would be on my time off, I would often do what's called dieting or dietas. Mm-hmm. So dieting uh, means that you go into a relationship with a plant and it's the way that they learn their medical system. And so I'd diet with both the Shipibo family that I'd work with and then also with Tabakiero. And um, those, to me, I feel like if people are on this path and, you know, this is just my own personal perspective, um, but dieting kind of is access into going quite deep with the plants and 
into your own unconscious and conscious as well um, and also really kind of they're kind of geared like ayahuasca but also as uh, teaching you and then also doing healing work at the same time but with that dual focus mm-hmm. so you're not going into <coughs> an experience with the kind of visionary stuff that sometimes happens with the medicine you're going into more of um connecting with your intuition and and having that kind of opportunity to to go inward and learn about yourself well if you've ever spent time in isolation yes <laughs> with just your thoughts um <laughs> you'll learn a lot about yourself yes <laughs> i can and relate to a lot of this stuff without the dieta but yeah yeah and if you think about these you know traditional healers these curanderos in terms of doctors they're also going into study they're going into isolation with all the things they prescribe so the plants they prescribe and the plants that they use and just comparing that you know there's a time and place for the western medical system mm-hmm. but if you go into uh, imagine your doctor going into even one month of isolation with Prozac (laughs) or (laughs) something like this. So all of the medicine that they're using and working with, they have have an intimate connection with and they have a study with and they, you know, have personally felt the impacts and influence. And, I mean, you do have, there's part of it which is just like the really strong mirror of being alone with yourself, with your thoughts with no distractions for a long period of time. And then there's also, you know, the plants do come, you know, there are some visionary aspects that can happen. A huge uh, space that the plants work in is your dreams during diet. And so you have these really strong dreams that uh, to me are just as powerful as a ceremony. So I'd like you to to maybe describe something like that, Um, like what was happening during the time that you were experiencing this dieta, what kind of insights came? <clears throat> what kind of dreams would you have and how would they help you? Um, sure. I'll, I've done quite a few, but I guess... Something that stands out, that something that would yeah. kind of, you know, in, help people understand what that experience might be like. Well, I did uh, a longer, this one was about three months, diet and my intention at the time was I wanted to learn about love mm-hmm. like okay I want to learn about love <laughs> and <laughs> which was pretty naive of me or maybe a bold ask but uh, so uh, the first month I did kind of alone and then I had some visitors and then the, the last two months I did what was called a social dieta and so I was working at the same time as having my diet so open as in the jungle for the whole time. And um, so during this experience, um, I mean, the first month was actually quite beautiful and I felt like I was in this really nice creative space and really kind of heart open space and uh, enjoyed it quite a lot. And then at some point, I started to have all of these dreams about like the worst things uh that humans can do. So, you know, all of these dreams, and, you know, it's uh, with no judgment, you know, like there was dreams about war, there was dreams about 
sexual abuse, there was dreams about physical abuse, there was dreams about blowing things up, shooting, like just kind of all of these pretty dramatic and pretty uh, heavy dreams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm learning about love. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there too. <laughs> these dreams, they came and they came and they came, and I, at the moment they were just so intense, I was like a bit concerned. Like, right. What's going on? And there was all these pretty like explicit sexually violent dreams. And I was like, oh, God. And so when the night that I closed the diet, so you close with a, a ceremony, um, I came back to my tambo, which is just a jungle word for little cabin, uh, and I came back, and then all of a sudden, all of these like dominant characters from the dreams, they went back in time, and they were, I saw them just like all in front of me as these little children that were hurt. Mm-hmm. So all of these like quote unquote perpetrators, um, and also seeing the places where I was a perpetrator, you know, I'm not separate from that. But I just went and I saw them as young kids who weren't given the love that they needed. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, I just okay wow like if you want to learn to love and if you want to learn how to love unconditionally like you need to be able to connect with whoever it is no matter what they've done no matter what the experience and just like having this connection and really like a this whole feeling in my body just kind of came alive it's like oh my god how could i not have empathy mm-hmm. or a little hurt child. Exactly. Oh, this and resonates with me very deeply. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of the things that that we are concerned about in the world um, are born out of all of these reactions and the, the hunt for the bad guy, the endless hunt for the bad guy, and somehow this is going to make it okay. Find the bad guy, punish them, and it's all over, and it never is, and it's perpetuating the very problems it is that we want to solve. And I have to tell you that my own experiences mirror that completely, and ayahuasca is being very... Um, showing me that in, in so many different ways and continually calling me to speak about it. So I'm so glad that this is the example that you gave. Yeah. So why do you think that you were naive just because you couldn't have anticipated that outcome? Is that it? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a big thing. Yeah. I want to say, <laughs> I learn about love. It was ambitious, and, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. And, like, to really, you know, I guess it was just one of these things around, you know, a classic learning around when you have expectation of what that will look like. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay, but actually this is the one of the most powerful teachings I could ever receive as someone who you know, wants to learn to accept all parts of myself and be with all parts of myself and also do that with others. Right. You know, there's no there's no bad guys. They're just for people. Yeah. You know, this is... I'm so glad that this came up. Um, 
I could see this as a definite synchronicity as well <laughs> because I have a young son and all the stories, all the little movies that he watches, they're all about the guy who does bad, the bad guy. Who's the bad guy in this one? And I keep having this talk with him about no bad guys, you know, and and people. Um, the way that ayahuasca communicated to me was a sickness, you know. Um, and this is why the word healing is used a lot. I wondered about that for the longest time. You hear healing all the time. It's like, wow, we must be terribly sick. And it's like, yeah, that is the sickness, you know. And if there, you know, were people in my life that I was having difficulties with, and if they were doing things that were harmful, um, and I had a reaction about that, that would be the explanation. It's like, okay, well, that person is sick. You know what sickness is like. You've been sick, you know? Yeah. And when you look at it that way, it disarms you, just like it did with the children. Yeah. How can you be angry with someone for being ill, you know? No, you can't. Well, I mean, maybe you could, but <laughs> a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it kind of stops all of that that aggressive energy dead in its tracks, really. Mm-hmm. So even if you're left over with something uncomfortable, it's a very different thing than than it started out to be. And I think that that's that's good progress for us. Yeah. Do Do you find that? Um, do you weave any of that into? I mean, I think that maybe. This is a lot of these themes are what people end up concluding when they do look inside and and have this kind of these awakenings, right? Often, yeah. So, um, do you have any stories about um, people? Just tend to really relate to stories, and it's something that is is great to to do on the show. Um, uh, sometimes I like to talk about the more I mean, not that this isn't magical. It, it most definitely is and very needed. Um, but there's other things that happen with the medicine that are just so <laughs> rare and extraordinary and, and inexplicable, like, um, you know, seeing something in a vision and then having something happen. Um, I, I was wondering, you must have lots of stories around that, given how many ceremonies you've been in. I, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, be bold. <laughs> be bold. I know they sound very, very strange, but you know this is ayahuasca talks. Is what this is all about. We're allowed. <laughs> yeah, I guess I I also hold them often as something intimate. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so it's not that I I don't feel comfortable sharing them, but like sometimes I feel like visions. I mean, I've mentioned a couple already, but. Um, as like a really particular medicine for that person in that time. And so I've had all kinds of fantastical things and even, you know, the experience of shared visions and ceremonies. And um, I, one story I actually I'll tell okay. is that um, I had this elder from BC before I went to Peru the first time who gave me uh, this rose quartz angel. And uh, it was this tiny little thing and just said, bring this down with you to the jungle. And um, and so I did, and it was kind of just like, a, you know, sometimes it can be nice just to have a little object that, you know, you feel connected to can be a guide. And so I had this with me. And 
we went into Iquitos in the middle of the retreat, which I would never recommend doing. And uh, and then I lost the angel in Iquitos. Oh. And then that, like, it, I think someone might have taken it out of my bag or, you know, maybe it fell out when I was grabbing something in my bag. Right. I'm not sure. And But it disappeared. And then, you know, we went back and I think we had ceremony the next day. Um and so we went back and we had ceremony and this whole ceremony was about this angelic realm coming down and kind of bestowing these gifts upon me and even, you know, there was a this kind of battle scene uh, that other people in the Maloka had a vision of and someone else had a vision of me with this like particular crown that I had in my own vision. Uh, and then and then that night during the ceremony the Peruvian shaman gave me the identical rose quartz angel but larger wow uh, and it had a chip on the left shoulder on the left <laughs> side oh and that's like where I've had I've had like been hit by a car I broke my collarbone from being a kid and biking in the woods and like you know a couple of days later, bigger version from one healer man to another um, after having this whole world about the angelic realm. And, um, so that, I mean, that's an example of the surreal serendipity. And then, I mean, in general in my life now, it's just like when these kind of magical things come into the everyday uh, and things just kind of come together in this really like mystical way. You know, I'm a pretty grounded, practical person, um, <laughs> but like, there's just so much uh, to me at this moment in my life. It's like kind of just it's pretty normal for yeah. like that to happen. To run into people, to um, you know how everything just kind of will align itself, with not even really anticipating or practicing and it's just about like saying to me it's like okay if I'm staying connected to my truth and connected to faith and connected to something larger then like these things evidence just shows up all the time that I'm supported in that right um yeah. so uh what about uh, there's been some stories of some pretty amazing physical healings too. Um, I know that none of us who respect and understand as much as we possibly can ayahuasca to not be this silver bullet or this whatever people you know want to think of as a magical cure. However, having mm -hmm. said that, there are cases where um, these things have happened, like things have been. Um, healings have taken place, and I think it's important to acknowledge that that this does happen from time to time. On the understanding that this is no guarantee, and and there's often a lot of work involved. But if you have any stories around that, inspirational stories are always welcome. Oh, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe pick the I most potent one because we've got like four minutes left. So. <laughs> Wow, that was fast. I know. Well, um, <laughs> all that trouble at the beginning, which I truly apologize yeah. for, but I'm so glad we connected. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of stories I could I could share. Um, there was one older gentleman who 
had leg pain. Basically, he was in the war, and he had it for 20 years, and something like that, 20 or 25 years, I don't remember exactly. And, um, yeah, within the seven ceremonies, I think it was the fifth ceremony, uh, he was, his pain was gone. Wow. Um, one of my friends recently, through dieting, uh, had chronic back pain for 10 years, worked at a plant that's particularly good with body pain, and his pain is gone. Um, one story that's sticking out, there was someone who smoked like heavily for 50 years, uh, and basically was showed his death through smoking and dropped it. Hmm. was like 50 years of heavy smoking (laughs) one night yeah ciao (laughs) (laughs) and then was in touch with him later and said that that is still the case um you know and and really to me you know you can talk about this medicine as like magical and fantastical which it is and at the same time, I think what it's given me access to and what I've seen, you know, I've worked with hundreds of people while I was at the temple in my, you know, close to four years there, is people just really connecting with their true self. So, you know, getting rid of this conditioning and this personalities that we develop through time and influence and like touching, you know, I really call it like coming home to themselves or you know, coming home to myself, my own experiences that freedom to just be yourself. Mm -hmm. We have a whole lifetime of people telling us, don't do this, do this, act this way, you should do that, da-da-da-da-da, and just like seeing that shed away. And, you know, the integration process is about, you know, watching that conditioning as it wants to come back or as these patterns want to come back, you know, that can be a piece of it. Um, But really you know, a lot about just really allowing people to be who they are. Yeah. It's not so fantastical. It's like really simple and grounded and it can be fantastical at the same at the same time. And it has tremendous power and power to heal. So thank you so much. We're coming to the end of the hour now, and I just wanted to thank you again for coming on Ayahuasca Talks at Radio Regent in Toronto. And if you want to visit us, we're at RadioRegent.com, and I am at RebeccaHayden.com. Thanks a lot, Deanna. Yeah, thank you for doing this, and thank you for, you know, I know this takes a lot of heart and time, so also a big thank you to you for putting all this together. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thanks again. and uh, Bye-bye. Yeah, same to you. Take care. Bye-bye.